0: Hello and welcome back to the Everyone's A Football Critic podcast with me, Zach Palmer and as always my co-host, Mr Callum Distin. How you doing, Cal?
1: I'm good, I'm good. I've had a rather chilly afternoon in the snow, um, <laughs> but it, I'm, I'm having a great time.
0: That's the north for you. Right, uh, let's jump straight in then, shall we? England 3, Senegal 0, uh, quarter-final against France awaits us. Is that good enough for you, Cal?
1: It's not bad. I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, um, Yeah, no, it was really, really positive. Um, I thought there were loads and loads of positives to take away from the game. Um, It was just, it was quite enjoyable. Uh, Given it started off a little shaky, um, I Mm. would say the first. Twenty to thirty minutes, it was yeah, I think that's more. It, we weren't being dominated, but it was definitely more like they looked like they were going to score more than us. Mm. Um, but then the goal came at a perfect time, and kind of at that point, it wasn't quite the floodgates opening, but it was pr- pretty close.
0: Yeah, it's, it's similar, similar in makeup to the US game. I thought at times, just Senegal looking quite dangerous in in moments. And I think we did what we couldn't do against the US, which was score, which just yeah gave us uh, a few more opportunities later on. Uh, so let's talk about some of those positives then first. I think, obviously, Bellingham is pretty good, isn't he? He's having a bit of a fun <laughs> time at the moment. What do you reckon?
1: He's not bad, is he? He yeah. was fantastic. He um, That first goal in particular, it was very... Um, it, it was just the usual suspects involved in that creatively. It was Shaw with a lovely little flick onto Kane, who played onto Bellingham, who played a lovely, lovely ball behind like made a really really intelligent run played it back to henderson um who was also superb by the way i'll come to him in a minute but i think that's a big big reason why well not that 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 is contributing as to why bellingham has been so good because it means he like the past couple of games he's just had that license to push even further up and he does his defensive work too but it means it's not so much his responsibility He, he helps out there but he's not relied on at the back and that just gives him so much more creative freedom he's just been great and he he plays like a player who is a lot older than him which i think i think age is obviously significant but when you're that young and have made that many senior appearances you kind of you tend to forget the age because you can tell that he plays week in week out for a very good side
0: yeah he speaks like it as well when he when he's Mm. uh doing interviews there was one thing that um really struck me during the game as well actually it was when the ball was pulled back to Kane I think from Saka um, and he so it was sort of just behind him and he kind of put it over the bar I'm not sure if you remember the shot I was on about but Kane Kane sort of hit the deck and he was kind of clearly a bit frustrated himself it's before he'd scored so Mm -hmm. still pretty anxious to get his first goal I think and Bellingham was the first lad straight over to him picked him up picked Kane up on his feet gave him a little tap on the head all that sort of stuff and that's you, know, you don't see that every day from a sort of uh, uh, is he 19 yet or is he 18 currently? Yeah, yeah 19 yeah. now um, from a 19 year old playing at their first major tournament. Barely played for England even in the run up to this tournament so uh, he's yeah. ridiculous I mean what else is there really left to say? I mean in, in the Senegal game alone most shot and goal creating actions, three of those each pass completion was higher than Henderson who you know I think we'd all say that kind of pass completion would be one of Henderson's better features he's someone that's very good at playing the the simple pass uh well whereas Bellingham is probably doing slightly riskier stuff so that's really good most tackles and interceptions um six which is one more than Maguire so clearly he's getting involved both in defensive areas and attacking areas most successful dribbles you know in a team with Foden and Saka on the pitch um and you know we could go on but just ridiculously good player um excited to see him up against that uh, France midfield and see whether he can replicate some of this form against what is undeniably going to be a slightly higher calibre of opponent although we will talk about that French midfield I think in in due course because I think there is some areas we can get at them in there but um right Callum I'm going to give you 30 seconds to rave about Pickford (laughs) because I've heard this too much over the last few days so go on give, give the fans what they want
1: what a save! Well, <laughs> like, just what a keeper! And I, I, I saw a tweet a couple of days ago that made a very strong that, that just pointed out that there are very few players other than Jordan Pickford who you could make a case for being the best player in the Southgate era, <coughs> and 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 I struggled to disagree with that. I know that like it's no secret that I adore the man but he he's just never let us down he even in that penalty shootout which we lost he saved two of them you can't ask your goalkeeper to do much Mm -hmm. more than that um he that that save it's a nearly point-blank range and he manages to get his arm up and a really really strong hand and something that he is very very good at and something that he wasn't very good at when he first broke into the Sunderland side in that first season it was something he really grew in is where the being in charge of where the ball goes after he makes a save and I think that's a really really underrated quality of any goalkeeper I think there's a couple of underrated qualities of goalkeepers for me firstly is collecting crosses um, and secondly is that about where the ball goes after you make a save and it just there are so many times where a commentator will shout oh the defender should have got there before the attacker the attacker's done really well to nick it nip in before him and actually if the keeper had a bit more about him and thought actually I'm not going to push it as far that way or I'm going to push it that way as I'm saving it that stops the goal and it's not quite an error but it is a skill to be able to do it to do it yeah. well and that is something that we he Again, I don't think it's an error, but there were a couple of times when he first broke into the team um, and <clears throat> his first season in the Premier League, where he 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 saved it and then it got deflected, it got pushed back out, and attacker scored. And he learned very very quickly, and it's something that I've seen him at Everton and at Ingl- I've never seen him do it badly for England, but at Everton, like in particular, learning as well, he is just excellent at where the ball where the ball ends up after he makes a save. It it very very rarely does it end up at the feet of an attacker and if it does it tends to be one of those fingertip saves where no mm. goalkeeper can really dictate where it's going to end up and i yeah i think that that is one of i think that's probably his most underrated feature because we all rave about his distribution and he he is obviously a very good shot stopper but that in itself is fantastic
0: i think think that's probably the most difficult to do thing to do as a goalkeeper right because you've got a it's like like a chess player sort of thinking one or two moves ahead you're you're not just focusing on saving a shot which is really tough in itself but then you, you have to think about where the balls go and I think I think like every goalkeeper is told about that but it's it's much easier to say than do right because mm. you're one-on-one with an attacker it's very difficult you know a shot a shot across goal I think is where you see it a lot right so from a slightly wider position across your body it's very easy to then just drop it into an area that is uh, inviting for the offensive team so you've got to be quite careful but it's even hard it's sorry it's even easier than to make mistakes because you're overly conscious about getting the ball into less dangerous areas when you save it that you could lose concentration of the save itself and just getting that bit done first but yeah it's it's incredible if you can put those two things together and I think he does it more often than not the thing the thing that I love about Pickford that has nothing to do with his goalkeeping ability at all. Really, is that whenever he is even remotely required to do his job, the way that he <laughs> bollocks defenders is my favourite thing in the world. It's like, for, for absolutely no reason at all. Like he he has he has been he has been forced to make a, a catch from a cross, and he is like outraged that he has been forced to come off his line <laughs> for any reason at all. I uh, I, I really love it.
1: <laughs> he's also on those players when he's shouting. Like like Jack Grealish, you can really see the accent yes, that's true. <laughs> that's is true. in the way that Jack Grealish is the world's most brummy man. Jordan Pickford is just the world's most macum man. Yeah. And like you can see the way he's pronouncing it screaming at them. It's great <laughs> Yeah. Anyway,
0: yes, enough about Pickford. We've spoken about him far too often in uh <laughs> in our daily life, not even on the pod. Uh right. Other positives. I'm wondering whether you would view at this stage Southgate as a positive
1: i so Southgate is someone who has got a lot of i would i would say sometimes justified sometimes unjustified criticism um but something you can't deny that is in the team right now is the team spirit they have and have had throughout the whole of the Southgate era if you would sum him up with that that like with one sort of thing it is that it's that team spirit he's built um <clears throat> and I think that often goes amiss because obviously he's not he's not jose Mourinho he's not the most tactically adept manager in the world. But he,
0: Jose Mourinho ready. is your go-to manager for tactically.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> he conceded six goals from open play in the Premier League. Uh,
0: and when we, oh. what year was that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's update those
0: references, Galia.
1: Um Okay, he's not Pep Guardiola. That's go, fine. <laughs> um, but he, he something he has done is built that team spirit. And I, I overheard um, a comment in the gym earlier today by a guy who who said he was talking about like the depth and the, the quality of players we bring on off the bench and if we get an injury or whatever um, and he said oh it's kind of come out of nowhere like it, it's just come out of nowhere all this depth and like these like these choices of players we have and I think that is it, it's kind of typical that people say that but it, it's kind of missing the point of what Southgate has done over the past what is it six years now um when was his first yeah t- t- five years five years now hmm but yeah past few years yeah that's um, it right. and he he has built this team spirit he's built this this system that isn't reliant on the players it, there are obviously very very good players in the system we we have our better players who it, it we play better when we have those players in but actually if you get an injury the system isn't built around the specific players. He's set up a system. They all love each other. That, like you mentioned earlier, I clocked that when Bellingham's the first one to go over and pick up Kane. And that's our captain. And he's probably not that down. He's just a little frustrated at himself. But it's actually, get up, come on. Like, Mm. that supportiveness. And after the third goal where Saka's scored, (coughs) kind of Foden's pointing at him being like, that's all you. Saka's pointing at him being like, no, no, that's all you. And they almost have a little mini argument. And and I don't know if you saw the quotes from... Bellingham afterwards about the first the first goal where uh, where he and Henderson like celebrated by kind of headbutting each mm. other really aggressively and that, like he was like loving that just the spirit that is in that team even and I even after some pretty like gut wrenching losses in semi final and final I, I think Southgate has to get credit mm. for that and I don't I keep flip flopping as to whether Southgate whether I would be whether I'm Southgate in or out, <laughs> depending on generally whatever the result mm. of the last game was, because football fans are fickle and I'm no different. Mm. But I, 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 he has to get credit for that. That It's just so clear to see in that team, and I think he deserves a lot of respect for that, because that's something that actually over the years, even the most tactically adept managers that we've had as England, that is something no manager, no manager in our lifetime, no manager generally in our, in our parents' lifetimes have been able to do to that England squad, either.
0: Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, we spoke about it in regards to um, Martinez and Belgium last episode, and mm. his failures. And I think that what Southgate has done is focus primarily on man management, as you say, and getting these players happy, comfortable, and actually wanting to play for England, which is something that I think wasn't wasn't evidenced from the so-called golden generation that we had, you know, when mm. when we were growing up. And he's coupled that with a system that is really effective for uh, at, for international football. He would not do well at a club, but it works mm. really well for what is necessary for international football. And that is something that is defensively solid and makes good use of the talent that you do have. Um, and he's, he's nailed that. And I think that a lot of the criticism of Southgate comes from those periods in between tournaments where... I think enthusiasm for England just sort of wanes because no one cares about the Nations League or any friendlies or anything like that but we've got to judge him on tournaments and there's no there's no way you can argue with his results getting us to to a semi-final and a final there's some question marks I think about whether this system because it doesn't always utilize the best of what some of our players have you're not you're not seeing the best always of like Foden or Kane um or Grealish or Mount at least not all the, all at the same time there is a question as to whether the ceiling is where we've hit currently which is second third or fourth place whether we can ever go that mile further to to win the tournament but I think as is always the case in international football you need a little bit of luck and a little bit of variance coupled with setting yourself up in a way to get to that place so I think that if we can do that again and uh get to another final there is a chance that we we will get over the line playing this way under Southgate so yeah uh, I don't think we can complain too much um, I think he's largely a positive I think that that is inevitable that discourse is inevitably going to change again if we lose to France because no one will be looking at the fact that it's France people will be looking at the fact that we've regressed and we've been knocked out in a quarterfinal um, so I think it's really important that we go and um, win this game against France and I think if we get to the final of this tournament, having probably had to beat France. Uh, obviously, it'll be Portugal or Morocco. But if it was Portugal and then Brazil or Argentina in the final, and we won that, then there's no arguments about how difficult that run to the final was, or anything like that. So mm. I think that that would end all the debates about the success of Southgate. But yeah, largely a positive at the moment, I think. Um, yeah. But positives aside, negatives. I felt as though. That was probably the worst collective performance by Stones and Maguire that we've seen in the mm-hmm. tournament so far. Uh, never really looked that comfortable and got caught a couple of times playing poor passes into midfield that I just thought were symptomatic of forcing something that wasn't there because Senegal were doing quite a good job like the USA did of blocking off those parking- passing lanes the midfield. So I thought that that was uh, a little bit unsettling to see and I thought that we were quite fortunate not to concede, as you say, in that sort of first 20, 25 minutes of the game. So what do you reckon?
1: yeah I thought there were a couple of sloppy passes and that's putting it lightly there was one in particular where it was fairly early on where Maguire steps out and passes what should be a fairly routine pass I think into Henderson and the uh, Senegalese player steps in I should know who it is I have no idea steps in and intercepts it runs and if he'd played a better ball in it's a really good chance Um, Mm. Pickford was forced into making that really good save Um, I think at that point that's fairly justified in having a go at your defense um, Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> like and it i don't know that that's one of those the game could go such a different way if we concede there um and it was it was both sides it was i'm going to touch on a little bit later the the attack and in, in particular when we discuss how we go against france but like uh, about the the one-sidedness that we seem to be but in In defence, it was really coming from both sides, which is concerning because if it were just one side, you can kind of plug the gap. You can almost go, okay, we can afford to bring another an extra midfielder who covers a little bit more that side, focus on it more. But there were a good couple of chances we conceded from both sides, and I don't think, I don't think that was as a result of the fullbacks or the centre mids. To be honest, Mm.
0: no, I agree. I, I I was a little bit uncomfortable with that, and I, you know, we'll we'll wait and see, but. I do think Maguire's been one of our stand up performers, so I don't want to criticise him too much, and I think Stones has very quietly got about got about his job pretty well so far as well, but I think that we clearly do look uncomfortable progressing the ball when teams cut out those simple passes into midfield. I do think there's probably an element to which Rice does need to do more as the deepest midfielder to offer himself in those situations. But I do think that predominantly this was a problem with the centre backs not being able to progress the ball efficiently enough and it maybe is also slightly a system thing that Southgate likes to build up really slowly so if we're going to do that it gives the opposition so much time to get their shape right to cut off those options and it becomes really really difficult And without having elite elite players playing really well you're going to really struggle to to pull it off or you're going to need to find different ways to get through it so yeah slight concerns there I think for the France game because I don't think it's going to get any easier yeah, continue on this. Uh, you were talking about attackers. I did actually want to ask you about the wingers. Um, I got a sense from a tweet that you sent, I think, in the wake of the game, that we maybe disagree a little bit about Foden's best position. So, mm-hmm. left or right?
1: So, I interestingly, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't regret that tweet at all. But for context, I said, yeah, I thought it was a mistake dropping Rashford to play um, two players who I believe are better on the right. Um, because one of them had to be on the left and it turned out that was Foden. Um I still I still probably would have put Rashford on the right hand side. But actually the way we were playing, I think it was significant uh that we had a left-footed player on the left. Um that we we re- so I was really impressed actually tactically. We kind of we we really really overloaded the left. We played uh, like Bellingham really pushed over Henderson was constantly pushing up Shaw pushed up and there were times though there were points where we were almost playing a back three because Walker had tucked in and Stones was like proper a- across to the byline and it meant that we just massively overloaded that left we le- we left um, Saka quite isolated um, in a good way because he was often free because they'd had to double up and bring a few extra players over so there are a couple of points where we, we did it once or twice but I thought if we'd have been a bit more intelligent with how fast we switch it over Um, to that right hand side we could have got another couple of chances there was one which I think Saka put the the cross in it was too high but which I remember significantly but he had a lot of time and space as it was disappointing but Hmm. by the by I'd play Rashford there because he's right footed and and that was the difference um, in the Wales game where we made it we made that pitch so wide and I just I I thought I think generally I, I prefer Foden on the right but in that system where we're playing lots of fast passing it back and forth um, and trying to get crosses in actually, we put a lot of balls in I I, I think having the left footed player on the left was the better decision in the end
0: Okay, that's slightly disappointing because I thought I was going to be able to have an, <laughs> an argument with you um, but you sort, you sort of copped out and uh, try to play both sides I'm still going to have an argument with you though because mm. you did just say that you think generally speaking Foden's better on the right and yeah I disagree Um, I think that he's better on the left I think obviously in this tournament you've kind of accounted for this by saying it's a slight system thing which fair enough he's got three goal contributions from the left hand side uh, looks more dangerous being able to go down on the outside as she's saying get crosses in uh, particularly pullbacks looking really good but you know other than that it's where Pep plays, plays him most often I think there's probably a reason for that. You know, as as you beautifully pointed out earlier, I think Pep is the the perfect example reference point for being tactically adept. Um, and yeah, I think we looked much better against Wales, as you say, when we swapped Rashford and Foden. Um, but I think upon reflection, that maybe had more to do with Foden than Rashford. But that's tough to tell without maybe seeing that again. Obviously, I think Rashford got the acclaims because he got two goals. But I think and I do I do think he was good, but. Obviously, both of those goals fairly fortunate in one way or another. Um, you could argue the keeper should have saved both, mm-hmm. neither here nor there. But um, yeah, I think I think I think we look more dangerous with Foden on the left, and I think generally speaking, Foden is more dangerous on the left at the moment. But we'll see. You mentioned Southgate shouldn't have dropped Rashford. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. Saka was picked over him. You spoke a little bit about Saka, but what did you think of his performance? Did he justify his selection over Rashford?
1: It wasn't bad. He 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 scored obviously, mm. um, but I I just felt if and I I'm right in saying Zaka's left-footed, aren't I? You are indeed,
0: yeah. No, myself. no, you okay. are. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, he's not got a bad right foot, but there were just a couple of points where he was so. I'm saying isolated. That's not the right word, but he he was on his own, and actually France did it as well. Mm. I saw a really interesting map, um, uh, like positional map, and it, it was the same for Dembele. He was just on his own out on the mm. right where we'd overloaded the left so much if we we had got the ball out to him faster we did a couple of times if we had that right footed player to play the ball in i think we'd have just been in a bit of a stronger position because there were a couple of times he crossed it in with his right and it didn't go that well um i think that was he can't change which foot is his strong foot I, i don't think it was that saka wasn't that good I just think that Rashford would have been more suited to the system and the style of football and the way in which we're trying to create chances at the moment I think Rashford would have done that more effectively
0: I I this is this is slightly anecdotal because I'm not sure but I wonder whether in both of these cases as in France and England building up more down the left is actually just got more to do with personnel than it does about any um system effect necessarily in the sense that France build up more down the left because they are playing a centre back at right back at the moment Mm -hmm. Um, so their left back Teo Hernandez is pushing up more and obviously Mbappe is playing on that side as well so you're going to naturally be drawn to playing the ball to your more talented players also Mbappe is a better player so puts himself more consistently into positions to get the ball than I think probably Dembele does I Mm -hmm. I wonder whether that's maybe the same that we've got Shaw I think Walker isn't as good in attacking areas as sure. and as you say maybe system wise to a degree as well we look like a back three sometimes situationally because Walker will then shift across and be more protective and think about that think about it that way so therefore naturally you're giving the ball more to Shaw I think Foden varies his runs in a more effective way to receive the ball in different areas of the pitch whereas I don't think Saka is that as good at that i think zaka's very good when he gets the ball to feet and then he can make something happen but i think he isn't always necessarily offering himself in a varied way to be able to give him the ball to be given the ball as often as i could and i was a uh, i was a little bit disappointed with him first half i thought he was quite poor he gave the ball away a few times which i've no issue with in the attacking third but i do have a big issue with in the defensive third as a winger if you're overplaying and you give the ball away in the defensive foot third and the ball gets turned over, then there's an opportunity. And I think that that happened twice, I think, where I think one led to a shot and then the other one, I think, Senegal just sort of wasted possession a little bit. Um, But I think that we could have easily been punished and I think we probably would be against France. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. And just sometimes, I think with Saka, there's elements of that naivety that comes in. I think it's in deeper areas where he receives the ball back to goal and is a little bit uncomfortable with what he should do with the ball and then i think it's just a little bit about varying his runs and when to drop off and offer himself to walker to the ball for feet and when to go in behind and things like this. so just i wonder whether that's a, a bit more to do with that um the fact that Foden and Shaw are just a little bit more comfortable in attacking areas and just more available for the ball. But uh, I, I don't know if that's actually the case. So anyway, speaking of France, um, how do we counteract what they're good at? Uh, I thought Walker looked a little bit poor against Senegal, particularly defensively. I think if that, if that version of Walker shows up against Mbappe, I think we'll struggle. So obviously a bit worried about what Mbappe could do to us.
1: What do you think that we do? So I think... If you'd have asked me this before the Senegal game, I would have pretty, pretty 100% said we will definitely be switching to the back five that Southgate likes in those big games. After the Senegal game, I'm actually not 100%, because what what you were just saying there about it potentially not being a tactical decision. I actually think in that defence, I kind of alluded to it earlier. There were points where we did kind of become a back three with Stones Walker sorry, Stones Maguire Walker with how high Shaw was pushing up. And I think that might as well might have been why Saka was the choice over Rashford. Um because he he can play wing back in a way that Rashford can't. Um I I d I don't know. I I I who'd you drop? If we if we weaken that midfield, we get over on a midfield. Which and that midfield is perfectly balanced currently. I I th- I, I don't I don't see which of I know Rice hasn't been as standout the past couple of games as he was maybe in the first and and I thought he was quite good against America as well anyway. But he in the first couple. But uh, who like who you drop? It's really, really well balanced. I, I can't I, I think we get over a midfield if we drop one of them. And then you can't you, you can't drop one of the wingers. We have to there has to be that front three. I like I really I don't see I, I don't see it being a sensible decision I don't think that I see the benefits of switching to a five but especially with someone like Mbappe who is so direct and running at you is, is another centre back on the pitch what's going to counteract that the, like lowering the, the pace that we have in the team
0: yeah I guess you wouldn't you wouldn't put another centre back you would replace one of Saka or Henderson with uh, Trippier would be, I guess, the obvious, the obvious call, and then you just, you just, because I, I think, I think that I, like, I completely agree with what you're saying, but I think practically, you, you play France and you look at that, their left hand side and our right hand side. If we play Saka, he's going to end up just having to come really deep anyway, defensively, and it's okay. Do is, is he good enough? And if he's going to be ending up playing as a right wing back in in essence anyway, are you better off just playing a right wing back? or if Henderson's going to have to constantly come across to cover and is defending in wide areas again are you better off just playing someone that is more naturally suited to playing in that those areas of the pitch or do, do you back Henderson to do it but also if you're doing that are you pulling Henderson out of the midfield where you need him a bit more so are you better off keeping Henderson in are you better off putting tr- like Trippier in and then maybe playing with like a front two um, something more of that sort of effect which I, I have an idea I think which I'll talk about a little bit later but um, I think that that's... I think practically, like, Teo Hernandez and, and Mbappe are just going to push that right-hand side all the way back anyway, that you might as well play Trippier and Walker, I think, because you're going you're to end up having people playing in those areas of the pitch anyway, so play two people that are more comfortable there, and I think Walker probably needs the help, but I think if he's playing exclusively as the right centre-back and can sit a little bit deeper, then I think that... He can basically just play as a bit of a sweeper behind Trippier, who can try and stand up Mbappe, and then he can just sweep up so that Mbappe can't just simply knock it past Trippier, because Walker will just uh, just come in on the clean-up. But if it is the back five, what's your pivot? Do you drop
1: Henderson? I, I don't know, because I see the benefits i see i see the benefits of both okay henderson's gonna be better at play uh, at getting involved in the build-up and getting a foot on the ball than rice um rice is probably a little better defensively but i th- I think bellingham there'll be a lot more emphasis on him defensively um he'll have a lot more responsibility at that end of the pitch And I I feel like it's a bit more balanced, especially if we've got three centre-backs. I feel like it's a bit more balanced having him and Henderson in the team rather than him and Rice. Because it's not really a pivot with the two midfielders. It is not... Unless you then... I don't know. Unless you then pull Foden a little bit more inside and make it... uh, And get him a bit more inside. Not quite a centre-mid, but that that more like in the half-space rather than out on the wing... I, I, and and but then you lose the width, and the width is what's been like. Shaw's there, the one creating the width at that point, and I think that's been really, really positive for us. What, yeah? What would you do?
0: Yeah, I, I, I like I, I, for the record, I like Henderson, and I agree with what you're saying, but well, to to a certain degree, I do like him, but Rice and Bellingham are better at everything over him I I, I think I th- I think he's been good but I th- I thought even against Senegal like he in some aspects had his best performance but I think that that came at the expense of some of his usual composure and being calmer I think that he allowed for a little bit of chaos to get into it which led to some upsides for example him scoring and getting forward a little bit more often which is okay because I think most of that came after we had got on top to to a certain degree but the fact that, you know, we've we've criticised the centre-backs and I do think it's 50-50 here that if we're struggling to progress the ball from centre-back to midfield, you do have to look at your midfielders. And I think that Henderson, as that experienced player and the reasons that we've spoken about for having Henderson in the team, he should be dropping deeper and helping that and forcing himself to get on the ball to help facilitate that progression. And we just weren't able to do it. And I think that... He didn't quite against Senegal offer the same level of stability that um, he had done in the past, which I think he was very good against Wales. So, if we'd go to the five, then I would play Rice and Bellingham for sure. I would drop I'd I would drop Henderson and I would drop Saka, and I would bring Mount back in, and I'd bring Trippier in, and I would play Mount in a similar way to how has been how how he used to be played um, so when we so playing it like nominally is that right sided attacker in the front three but coming inside a lot so then the Rice can basically do a number on Griezmann who I think has been really good this tournament and just basically sit on him but if you play a natural winger out on the right hand side that means Bellingham is dealing with both Rabio and many, and I think that that's too much so if you play Mount over on Nominally in that right position But able to then come in Out of possession Sit on one of those pivot players But then in possession Being able to You know Drift a little bit further out And drag one of those Midfielders out with him Give give them a problem Get You know Is, is he Rabiot's man Or is he uh, Hernandez's man For example Just one of those If he floats in that sort of area He could cause problems um, And also being A very good pressing player as well I think that that could be useful So I'd probably do that With then Trippier behind Or I would bring... If you don't do that, I'd probably bring Sterling back in and try and get him to to stretch the defences. As he has done, I think that it'll be important for us in attacking phases to try and get in between defensive line and pivot. And I think that that needs people going behind, right? So that then Kane can drop in and Bellingham can play in those areas. So I'd even be tempted... Yeah, I think if you go Mount, you could then drop Foden for Sterling, but I'd probably stick with Foden just because I think Foden can do a lot of the same things, but is in better form and also gives us a little bit more on on ball stuff. So, yeah, I'd probably do that. Stick with um, obviously, yeah, Pickford and then Walker, Stones, Maguire, Shaw, left wing back, Trippier, right wing back, pivot of Rice and Bellingham. Um, with then, in in essence, at least out of possession, Mount as a ten. With then Kane and Foden. Um, almost as a front two, but Foden obviously playing a bit wider, and Kane just just drifting with them. The knowledge that Trippier can come up and join that, Mount can drift wide, etc. Yeah, I I'd prob- I'd prob- probably do that.
1: Yeah, no, I I can't disagree. I I don't know what he will do. There are, I feel like a lot of Southgate's lineups. You've been whether you agree or disagree with it, you can be fairly confident what they're going to be before the game. Generally, um, especially a couple of days before the game, because they always seem to get leaked, which mm-hmm. is really frustrating. Very anyway, frustrating. That's a separate point. <laughs> um, I I I don't know what he's gonna do. I I think probably the five, but the it's just the thing that gives me that doubt is that we kind of were shifting into that that three against Senegal, and I like, I could be wrong. It, it could be totally personnel. You like I, I don't really think. I don't. I don't think there's any way of telling off the back of one game. Um,
0: yeah, no,
1: I th- But it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting yeah. to yeah. see. I think Very we'll like end up. As well,
0: yeah, we'll end up in deeper positions anyway. And I just, I, I, I he could end up sticking with Saka, um, and just seeing him as versatile enough. But I think it's possible that you'd end up regretting that because we'd be endo- ending. He'd be ending up playing as a right back anyway. So you might as well play a right back. But um, we'll see. Right, so regardless of formation then obviously main danger man for France is Mbappe how do you stop him?
1: Yeah, um, so there's a little bit of me that's hoping he won't be, he might be injured, because he yeah, I don't know if you saw, he was out of the main training yesterday, yes. but he's almost certainly back in, he was doing yeah. recovery stuff
0: Yeah, that's what I heard, was that he. it was always the plan he was just doing some recovery stuff by himself, but we'll see
1: Because that would be if that team sheet comes out and Mbappe isn't in it I'm celebrating that like a goal <laughs> um, I, think, I think Walker's going to be key I think he's the only player really in the whole squad with the pace to kind of not even match him and he's one of the fastest players in the world mm. um, but he, those recovery runs that we've talked about quite a lot um, he's he's not going to be able to catch up to Mbappe if he gets past him but he's going to he, he, it means he's not just... If we were playing a four and had Trippier as the right-back, for example, you can knock the ball past him and just run round him. And he's not a slow player either. Mm. Um, I think walk is going to be really key. And if we do play that five, um, it's going to be Mbappe against Trippier a lot, who I got the stats up in the first podcast, who's been the basically the best in the, the league <clears throat> right-back-wise this season for mm. um, not le- not getting dribbled past... Um, and that's not that's not a Virgil van Dijk not getting dribbled past that he actually steps in and like, tries to make tackles um, he Ooh,
0: shade <laughs> I really rate
1: Virgil van Dijk it just really bugs me how he like step. and I've got Liverpool fan friends who get frustrated by the same thing he just mm. steps out of tackles because he clearly looks at his own stats um... <laughs> he, 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 got,
0: he got turned by Mitrovic so I think that stat's ruined now anyway <laughs> but
1: um, I think Trippier is a good player to have as the one trying to stop him running past because he is a very good, very intelligent player about making those tackles and then we've got Walker to try and run past after he gets there Um, and then he won't score past Jordan Pickford anyway so I don't really know what all the fuss is about Yeah it
0: doesn't matter, just leave him by himself I guess, Um, just let let him have the ball Um, No I I think that that probably will be what happens is I think that you'll put Trippier on him as the first line of defence with Walker then three four five yards just behind but doubled up so that Mm. it's saying okay if you're gonna beat Trippier you're gonna have to do it with close control because otherwise Walker's just gonna pick up that second ball straight away and just try and frustrate him that way um but it's definitely easier said than done and to be honest I'm a bit concerned that that just gives their left back who mentioned earlier Teo Hernandez just all the time and space in the world that he wants if you're doubling up on the winger um you know especially if it's mount or whatever playing which means that he's maybe touched inside a bit more worried more about the midfield um you know and it, the the problem is if you if you play with a back five and then you're doubling up on one player you become so outnumbered everywhere else because you're basically adding in another center back and then also you're assigning one of them to the full backs man um so Fullback get get joy. I think Dembélé could get a lot of joy on the right hand side um, if we kind of focus too much of our energy on worrying about Mbappé. So that would kind of be that's kind of my early call. I think is that Hernandez is going to have so much joy and Mba- and um, Dembélé. Um, we'll, yeah. You know France will probably try and play through Dembélé as much as possible. Um, you know if I if I were Deschamps I might even just say play Mbappé on the right hand side. Um, there, there's there's been so much talk in the media this week about how England have this plan to try and stop Mbappe. And if I were Deschamps, I'd just try and subvert all those expectations. Either play Mbappe on the left and just go, look, Kylian, we're not going to play through you today. We're going to try and go Dembele as much as possible because you're going to be double-marked out of the game. So we'll just try and go, well, we won't play through him then and we'll play through our other really talented winger. Um, yeah. And then, and then that will inevitably mean that we have to shift over a bit, and then Mbappe will be free, and they can start using both again. Um, so do that, or yeah, just move Mbappe over, because then suddenly, if you set up with Trippier and Walker on that side to defend against Mbappe, and he starts on the right hand side and he's running at um, Shaw and Maguire, you're dealing with a much, <laughs> much, much different problem, aren't you? Um, and then what, what a you... terrifying yeah. prospect
1: that is! But then, what what
0: what, what do you do, right? Because you put pro- you probably switch Walker over to that side. And just accept that he plays as a left centre back. But are you gonna you can't then put Shaw at right wing back surely and put Trippier over on that side? You can't swap the whole thing. Maybe you do. Mm. Or maybe you make a substitute. I don't know, you you know, you take off Shaw and you put but then they can just switch but back to switching back. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so that's what I would be doing if I were Deschamps I'd be like, If you wanna worry so much about one player, I'm I'm gonna pull you all over the place worrying about him. I'm gonna play him exactly where you least expect it, or whatever. But maybe he'll just say, I think we're good enough regardless we'll just play as we do and I think we're probably just giving Mbappe a bit too well not too much credit obviously because he's an insane player but I think that the focus we're putting on him is just a little bit too revealing to the French camp and also I think is quite disrespectful of the fact that they've got Dembele on the other side and Griezmann at 10 all playing around Giroud who's having a great tournament and it's like well, they've got so many tools to hurt us with that if we're going to be talking, spending all day talking about Mbappe, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be the case that Dembele and Teo Hernandez have a great evening and they just beat us that way. So we've got to be careful here. I think about being too, too dominated by something else. And yeah, I'm interested to see whether mm. Deschamps tries to trick us somewhat.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I that's it. They, it's not, it's not like. It's not like if Finland, for example, not Finland, Norway, uh, for example, mm. had got here, and you're going, oh, we'll mark um, Harland out of the game. Mm. Yeah, you you mark Harland out of the game. But there actually are very few other options they have. Yeah, you, they're, they're front like Dembele, like he's 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 not a bad player. He's he's having an
0: incredible tournament <laughs> as well. Like he's playing <laughs> and, really really well. And,
1: yeah, G- Griezmann. Not not had the best season, but that's not really his fault. Atletico no. just refused to play him before the 60th minute because of a weird transfer clause. Um, Giroud is, I, I I think Giroud is the most important yeah. player to. France. Oh, hundred yeah, percent. And, yeah. I, and I, I said that at the World Cup when they won it, mm-hmm. um, and I, I stand by that now. Mbappe is a quality, quality, quality player. But if you obviously Benzema's out, but if you gave the choice to to Deschamps of if you had to have Mbappe out for a game or Giroud out for a game. I actually think it's more detrimental mm-hmm. to how they play to have Giroud out for the game because he holds it up so, so, so well. And you you, I'm sure you remember that first game. I think, was it at the last World Cup? at The first game, I want to say Australia, but I think that's just because that was their first game this year. I can't remember who it was. They drew nil-nil and they didn't look like scoring. They had a front three of Dembele, Mbappe and Griezmann. And I think I think it was Griezmann in the middle, and they they just looked terrible. And mm. then Giroud came in, and they all play off him because you ping balls into him, he wins headers, he takes it down really well, he holds it up, he makes really really intelligent passes. Yeah. Um, I think he has been for all for all the he the, he is one of those players who, if you show a compilation of his best goals to your kids, they'll think he's the best player in the huh. world ever but like for that kind of I think that if anything um, is de- is detrimental to how mm. how highly thought of he actually is because people go oh he doesn't do this all the time he just saw a screamer it's like yeah he gets the odd screamer but actually as a footballer and what he does and what he brings to a team in particular is so 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 underrated mm. and I, I, it's baffling to me that it, that it is still underrated but I genuinely believe it is and he there has to be a plan for dealing with Giroud as well and, and that mm. and that's probably Harry Maguire going and trying to get his Big head on all the balls, but yeah. like I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I. It's not just Mbappe. To, if we're, no. d- I would be really, really concerned if the England camp are only discussing Mbappe this week. Yeah.
0: No. Yeah. No. Me too. I. I yeah. I agree. I completely agree with you in regards to Giroud as well. I said during the preview podcast that I did um, that Benzema being brought out through injury was a blessing in disguise because I think that similar to and we'll talk about him in due course, but. Uh, Portugal's number seven. Um, yeah. There's so much pressure to. This yeah. point. <laughs> um There's so much pressure to play these players. You know, you're kind of talis, talismanic striker, and I think obviously Benzema is an excellent player. And I, I don't want to put him on in the same category as uh, Ronaldo because obviously Benzema is still a very good player. Um, mm. But I think that there would have been a lot of pressure to play him, obviously, because he's very good. But he would have made that team worse in in, in, a, in a net sense. He might be a better individual player, possibly, but there's a reason Mbappe speaks most highly about playing with Giroud and it's because he's such a good facilitator for other players and um yeah you and also he's just um just surpassed obviously Henri's uh record for France as well so he is a goal scorer as well yeah not maybe as frequently but he's an excellent finisher it's just that that isn't his priority that isn't what he sets onto a football pitch it's not it's not like other strikers where if you don't score it's a failure and if you do score regardless of anything else it's a success with Giroud there's so much more that he, he, he'd come off in a game where he's not got any goal contributions and he he could feasibly look at himself and say I've had a really good game today you know I, I I allowed everybody else to to go and do their stuff so definitely got to deal with that and it's a case of with Giroud maybe you cut it off at source and maybe that that's a good way of actually limiting the threat of Mbappe if you are able to prevent Giroud from holding the ball up efficient, uh, efficiently and bringing Mbappe into the game. So we'll see how we deal with that. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I really hope that we have um, a plan to solve it, and we're not just thinking too much about Mbappe. Um, but anyway, I think that's a, that's enough about England and about yeah. their potential opponents in France. Let's talk about let's talk about who they would play if they beat France: um, Portugal or Morocco. Uh, Portugal as predicted and is now becoming the accepted wisdom i think uh, despite some insufferable fanboys on twitter they are much better without cristiano ronaldo just like man united were and have been for the last couple of years um putting aside all the tantrums and character deficiencies we'll say um he's just not very good anymore is he and it's painfully obvious so, what did you think of the the new look Portugal side? Because I, I I sort of watched that game and I thought that that was the first time they'd really announced themselves in the tournament. It, it felt like a very different outfit and a very different performance without Ronaldo. Yeah,
1: was it was it six one in the end? Five one. There was a difference. six one right at the end. Six one. Yeah. Six one. Um, yeah. That that bar obviously barring Spain's seven nil. That's mm. second highest like yeah. goal difference in a result in the tournament, I think. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, quality with a with a. I think he's 21 years old and he's mm. at his first senior Portugal yeah. appearance, going and scoring a hat trick. That he he's the player who Real Madrid are going gonna go and sign, aren't they? They always do it after a tournament, uh, World Cup in particular, yeah. go and sign an expensive player. Like, um, he he, it's, it's outrageous to do that yeah. at 21 years old against not a bad team either. Um, Switzerland, not yeah. a no, 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 not a poor no, international side. No pushover. No, can... I, really, really impressive. And and like you say, Ronaldo, it's not that. When when Ronaldo is, it was at, at his peak, obviously. A long,
0: long time ago. <laughs>
1: obviously, Ronaldo and Messi, both of them, have been the two best players in the world for, actually, the best part of. 15 years now um, but maybe a little longer Ronaldo 38 close, close to two decades where they have been the two best players in the world and it, it, it's quite sad the, the decline of Ronaldo because because if he'd have held his hands up and gone do you know what I can't I can't do it anymore finished on a high and accepted the demise that that would have been fine. There have been no issues there, but it's the it is it's the tantrums and the he's sat on the sideline looking like he couldn't be more miserable that they're two or three goals up and
0: it's insufferable. I feel like it's not fair on Gonzalo Ramos, who's just as you say. I mean, so much pressure on that guy to to come in and perform, which is stupid given how bad the player he's replacing has been all tournament. But you know, a lot of pressure on him there, and he's just come in and scored a hat trick. It's like maybe. Maybe don't make this all about you for once uh, Yeah, you know, This is about somebody else And you've got to accept that you're at the twilight of your career And maybe there's a, a star burgeoning in front of you And you could actually be supportive and useful You could give a lot of wisdom to a player mm. like that
1: Yeah, absolutely And I, I think, so When when he was as good as he was It's fair enough Even if Portugal have other good players in their team Go, do you know what our tactic right now is? Give mm. it to Ronaldo and see what happens. That that is totally fair. For the past few years, that has been a, uh, they've still done that, and that's been a detriment to the rest of the, mm. the the way they play. Um We were, I'm pretty sure we were saying this in the Euros, like, and mm. then that was a couple of Absolutely, years ago. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, it's not, it's not been the right decision for quite a while, and it's nice that. They finally done it because you can you can imagine how what he was like in the dressing room when he was told you're not starting. You can imagine what he'll be yeah. like if because there's a very real chance they could get to the final. Um, you can imagine what he'll be like when he doesn't start the final because mm. he's not starting the next game now, is he? There's not a chance.
0: We'll see. Uh, the thing is, I kind of think that there is a chance just because of his character. I mean, he was dropped from Man United and then I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of a bit, a bit of a demonstration actually by Ten Hag he then started in five games in a row and gave him the captain's armband and Ronaldo offered nothing and then he was like see you're rubbish and this is why I'm not playing you and then he went and moaned to Piers Morgan about it but um which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever yeah the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen um but yeah I mean yeah just I mean it'd be absurd if he starts against um Morocco but I, that would be the funniest thing is if he starts against Morocco and then they lose um <laughs> You know, after off the back of that result, I mean, that would be that would be the funniest thing. But yeah, I mean, he's he's just he, he's got to go. Uh, he he just he lowers the tone everywhere he is now, and he's ruining the dressing room, and it's just not fun for everybody. As you say, it, we've been talking about this for Portugal since the Euros, but this is this has been the case ever since he went to Juventus. Really, he made Juventus worse when he went there. There was a reason um, he wasn't you know he left Madrid as well and I mean as soon as he left Madrid that's when Benzema started to explode so that there, there, there is a pattern of this like he and as you say if he just accepted his decline and accepted that he could be a useful penalty box striker coming off the bench in certain games for certain teams he still has a utility he'd be fine but it's the problem that he still tries to occupy the same spaces that he always has so he he drops off into deeper areas into wide half spaces he occupies places in the pitch where other people thrive so for Man United and for Portugal he has ruined Bruno Fernandes by taking the ball off his toe essentially and trying to play in areas that Bruno Fernandes occupies and is better than him in you know um same is true of like Jao Felix who now is I think had had a pretty good game the other night as well um if he just stayed central and could hold the ball up and then get on the end of crosses and sort of poach, he's still a decent finisher, but it's just that he demands the ball too much and there's too much expectation on players to give him the ball because he thinks he... He still genuinely thinks he's the best player in the world mm. and he's so far from it. And it's actually sad to see some... Well, it's not sad because I don't really care, but um, <laughs> <laughs> like it is like just awful to watch somebody that thinks they're so much better than everybody else whilst actually just stinking the place out like in it on the pitch and in the dressing room and it's it's got to end because no, nobody can be happy about this um, like uh, other than well a- a- around him coach players they must get so frustrated by it and um, you know he just he, he just yeah Portugal played with so much pace and freedom and um, really nice interchanges and got him behind Really quickly and play some really nice patterns. Ronaldo slows everything down, and they should absolutely start yeah. Gonzalo Ramos if they want to win the game against Monaco.
1: <clears> yeah, and I, I mean, this bit isn't his fault, but how disheartening must it be for that like 21 year old striker making his debut seeing, I don't know if you saw the picture, but maybe 50 photographers trying to take pictures of Ronaldo sat uh, on the bench. Yeah and I, like i know that that's cuz it's who he is yeah. but i think that's a bit shite as well and yeah, and, and yeah. another another thing is that's kind of quite sad is if you were to go 5 years ago and go which sportsman not footballer which sportsman has the best mentality in the world there's there are very few arguments you could give against ronaldo and look at him now that like it is mm. just sad he's he's dragged teams to trophies in a way that very few players can do where i think judging trophies is not always a great metric for judging a player individually by but actually some of those trophies he has earned Real Madrid. Mm. um he has that winning mentality uh, or had that winning mentality and i think that that's probably a reason why um he's he's struggling to let go because like you say he does genuinely believe he is still the best player in the world and still still on Messi's level
0: yes I yeah I I think yeah some of that mentality stuff is probably fair definitely has always worked hard and kept himself in good condition I think there has always been an arrogance and a entitlement on and off the pitch which has definitely stained his reputation in some circles which can't be ignored but yeah he's um, ultimately I think has been over the last couple of years it's been if it wasn't already, it's been very evident that he just isn't a particularly nice person, and is quite a... Um, yeah, doesn't have a particularly good character, and you can't... I don't think you can kind of praise mentality after he's behaved the way he has in dressing rooms, so yeah, maybe previously, but yeah, so it's certainly not now, so I'd agree with that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, enough about number seven. It'll be a tough game
1: against Morocco, right? Good side. Yeah, they they... Spain hardly had a sniff oh, um, So good <clears throat> I thought For Spain Nico Williams was probably the highlight Actually after he came on off the bench mm. um, I always find it interesting When brothers play for different nations <laughs> yeah. um, And I really I really like The club they play for as well but I think they're both Very very good players But Nico Williams was really the only Pretty much the only positive for Spain um, Morocco did really well in limiting them to a few chances. They had quite a few decent chances themselves. There was in late in the second half of extra time. There was a point where he was leggy and I can't remember who it was. Was leggy and knackered and just took a couple t- of touches too many, and the defender came yeah. over and the keeper managed to smother it. But that they they could have they could have taken it, and and they weren't just sitting back. They were pressing. They were trying to catch them on the counter, um, and once again as we see repeatedly throughout all of football bringing on a player just to take a penalty Hmm. didn't work didn't work for either side actually the one penalty missed by morocco was the player who came on late in the match and i was I, i was looking at the stats of the penalties that have been scored by players that have been brought on in I think it was the second half, and then extra time, and then the second half of extra time, and it's something like 50%, 40%, 20% of penalties mm. scored by those players respectively, because it's it's about that little like the feel of the ball, and it, it sounds quite stereotypical, but it is. If you've not got had a kick all game, you need a couple of kicks to warm up. That's mm. that's it's not it doesn't work, <laughs> and yeah. and and it was great to see as well.
0: Seems to work better with goalkeepers though. Yeah, um, which is interesting cause I, 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 but I guess because goalkeepers are fairly inactive during the most games anyway. They're they're more used to kind of switching things on in moments, whereas with players, I think, you know, we we've both played football to not particularly high levels, but um, <laughs> we play football. But you know, you do take a, a moment, don't you, to kind of mm. get a feel for the ball and just get that confidence up as well. I think penalties is obviously highly psychological so you know because realistically professional football player it's pretty easy to score from 12 yards but it's the, the psychological aspect that makes it difficult so um if you're confident and you've been playing well you had a good game you're probably more likely to to score right I do think it's worth as well just penalties aside covering Busquets post-match comments uh he basically said I'm not sure if you saw it but he basically said Morocco, he said Morocco offered nothing and the, essentially alluded to the fact that he's a bit sick of playing against teams that just sit deep and don't offer anything. And I think I think this is just I just think this says something about the sport more widely that there has become this shift in viewing high possession football and sort of so called Pep Guardiola's tick-attacker or trying to play like that, if not as effective, um, as being the the peak and the pinnacle and the ultimate aim of football. That's how you want to play. And we can't forget that there are a lot of ways you can play football. There's a lot of ways to win football games and that that is incredibly like dismissive to other styles. Spain, Spain are actually the team that offered nothing. They mm. dominated the ball, yes. They made 800 passes or whatever, but they had one shot on target. Mm. So you've offered nothing. Morocco have defended really diligently. Their two centre-backs, by the Mm. way, had incredible games. Size could hardly
1: walk by the end. Yeah,
0: I'm worried about him for the next game, because that looked like a hamstring, and I don't... But he played on, so presumably just a strain, but he's played on with a strain, so let's see uh, the effect of that. Hopefully, um, Aguard. The West Ham centre-back that is (laughs) pronounced something like that. Um, He was very good as well, but he came off injured as well, so hopefully that's not serious, because I think if they lost both of those two centre-backs, that would be really really detrimental for their chances against portugal but um they were they were insane um they defended really well pressed when it was appropriate to but accepted that spain had the more technical ability so were going to dominate the football but just limited their opportunities in the penalty boxes did not let them get into the penalty box at all and then as you said was pretty effective on the counter and they were unlucky actually that they had taken off um En Naziri for whoever the substitute striker was that missed like three chances on the counter because he just couldn't sort his feet out and got into good areas but just clearly I think if they had had Naziri on maybe he would have taken one of those and yeah they could have easily have won the game in in regular time so yeah I was really impressed with them and I just think I just thought that that was an interesting point because I think it's yeah. worth making the point that you can offer nothing whilst having the majority of the ball and you can offer a lot whilst counter-attacking it's a yeah. legitimate way to play football and yes. I think it's quite disrespectful from Sergio Busquets to imply that the way that Morocco played was somehow disrespectful to to Spain and to the game because it just isn't. Yeah,
1: totally agree, totally agree. I don't know if you saw as well when he stepped up to take his penalty. Busquets <clears> had <throat> a proper like big grin on his face as if oh, was he was like ah oh, like laughing about it. And then I can't remember if it was saved or if he was the one who saved. Yeah, but I it was an awful penalty to, oh, by dick. the way. dick? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that arrogance which, again, you. <sighs> a bit of arrogance in when you're a really good team is is mm. probably of benefit because it makes you a mm. bit cocky with how you play and if you're particularly if you an attacking tricky winger like Mm. that's not a bad thing but yeah it is it's just disrespectful when you come out and say things like that and actually there are so many different ways to play and I I actually I'm going to bring it back to right right at the start of the podcast I I made a little comment about Jose Mourinho's Chelsea Mm. they went through a Premier League season conceding six goals from open play 15 all season a 1-0 win is just as valid A, a win on penalties is just as valid as beating someone 7-0 it doesn't yeah. matter my my only concern for Morocco is they did <clears throat> give it their all and how often do we see a, a team like that lit going to the end of extra time penalties just absolutely knackered and just not yeah. be able to cope the next game that's my only little worry for them uh, yeah
0: no I agree I think that they'll probably be able to maybe occupy oh sorry possess the ball a little bit more against Portugal though because I think Portugal aren't as much of a possession heavy side they're a team that have you know, like to sit off at times as well. So I think that yeah. they might not need to be quite as backs against the wall against Portugal. But that depends. Portugal are a very, very different team, depending on the personnel they pick. So we'll yeah. uh, we'll have to wait and see about that. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully they can rally and play as a fit and they can they can go again. Because I've been I've been really I think we have both actually been very impressed with Morocco. I think mm. they've been very smart tactically, adept and changeable and have. Pick, pick, pick their moments to press both in games and for certain games acknowledge when they need to sit deep caused every team they've played they've caused them problems mm. in in unique ways to those that, that opposition as well so I think that that's um, really impressive um, but yeah two other games then um, after Portugal Morocco Croatia Brazil Netherlands Argentina Brazil convinced you that they're the favourite jet?
1: Uh, I uh in in great form i didn't actually see the brazil game i i okay. can't remember where i was but i was out. and i haven't seen highlights so i have absolutely no thoughts whatsoever okay. on the brazil uh, game take it away
0: that's interesting um yeah no um yeah brazil interesting i mean they yeah they were that was their best performance um for sure just a bit strange because the Neymar's neymar's been really poor mm-hmm. um yeah he scored a penalty but otherwise he's playing in as a number 10 with then um Casemiro and the player that i always thought was Paqueta but every commentator has been pronouncing it Paqueta and so oh. yeah so i don't know if i've been getting it wrong but i thought maybe it was just a commentator mistake but then i think a couple have been doing it so maybe maybe i'm wrong so i i don't know now um <laughs> so i'll just avoid saying it again but he's quite an attacking player as well plays as a 10 usually for West Ham so i i'm just interested to see whether they maybe Uh, change that slightly against Brazil and go for more defensively minded uh, players in midfield so maybe bring in uh, Bruno Guimaraes is going to be my attempt at pronouncing that Uh, don't know if that's true Guimaraes I I, I don't you don't know. know. Okay, no. you were you were pulling a Gem- face at me like I had butchered oh, it. But oh no, I was, a...
1: I was pulling a face at the club. He okay,
0: cool. Like yeah, you 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 don't have a Scooby one. either. Nice. Uh, <laughs> no. no, but he's very good. Obviously, you could bring in Fred as well. I think you know obvious choices to maybe be a bit more defensively solid if you wanted to try and dominate that Croatian midfield, who are clearly the standout for Croatia. But yeah, they 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 did look very good. They played some nice stuff. But interested to see them against a slightly more. Talented opponent, I suppose is what you might say. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Morocco obviously being knackered. Good chance Croatia are a bit knackered as well. Yeah, uh, this time. Do they have the legs to to go again?
1: Yeah, no. I did really, really enjoy. Um, I don't know if you saw Tommy Asu's comments before the Croatia game. Where he he came out and basically said, "Ah, oh, what I'm gonna do? I don't care about anything else. What I'm gonna do is make sure like I keep Perisic quiet because he plays for Spurs and I play for mm. Arsenal and we hate them and blah blah blah." And then Perisic went and scored the equaliser yeah. and won on penalties. As just as a neutral football fan, that isn't an objectively funny thing <clears throat> to have happened.
0: Except for I really wanted Japan to win. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: if I cho- if I had if I had to choose, I would have chosen Japan to go through, but.
0: Yeah, I was pretty, few, uh, pretty fuming at Japan actually because I thought that they were the better side for most of that game and just threw it away with really, really bad penalties. So that's a shame. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be tough for Croatia. I think to to rally again. Um, yeah. And so I don't know how much of a uh, opposition they'll provide to Brazil. I think that it, that's they're there for Brazil to to take. Um, I think uh, Netherlands, Argentina, then being the other one. Um, What's your thoughts on Argentina? For, for me, they're getting better and better. I think they're looking a mu- much stronger side. Messi was really good.
1: Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because he's Lionel Messi.
0: Yeah, uh, but legitimately is a player, a, an ageing talent, whose team is built around him, that as long as they can get it working, works really, really well. And I think it'll be interesting to see whether uh, it does work against the Netherlands, who I thought yeah. were really good their approach against the USA they kind of forced the USA to have the ball um which was qu- quite smart albeit like an absolute horrible watch um <laughs> you know the Netherlands obviously the favourites but they made the US who were the underdogs play like they were the favourites aka like just made them dominate the ball so the USA were just like passing the ball back and forth between their centre-backs mm-hmm. constantly unable to progress at all and the Netherlands just sort of sat there just like you yeah, know it's not it's not easy when you can't just counter-press us and uh, transition quickly, like mm-hmm. you're you're not, and then they just basically did that to the US. So mm-hmm. I think that Van Gaal's sort of tactical flexibility there could really help. And I think I I just see him changing something slightly off the ball and just going, yeah, we'll just sort of surround Messi. And yeah. then because because Argentina are so they do have other talented players, but because their system is so built around Messi as that linchpin in the middle might be quite difficult if he does get marked out of the game Mm -hmm. to make something work um elsewhere although Argentina have been pretty strong defensively minus that blip against Saudi Arabia, obviously but those were two incredible finishes yeah
1: I was going to say I do do think Messi actually two things he is both of a quality that it's fair enough to build your team around him Mm -hmm. because he he still is the best player in the world um and has been forever, <laughs> um, yeah. but he and he is very very difficult to mark out of the game. It's Canna, mm. It's not because he because he can be so varied in how he plays. It's not like it's not like we were discussing about Mbappe, where you double up on him and you kind of you, you lose a lot of space for him to run into. Messi will just change how he plays. If you're yeah. if you're you're trying to mark him and he can't dribble at you, fine. He'll maybe drop deep and mm. pass the ball. Fifty yards, perfectly placed over yeah. the top to whoever it is running in behind. Like he, he is a much, much, much hot. He is. I, if you could just double up on Messi and mark him out of the game, they would teams to yeah, do, do that, that yeah. against him, against whoever That's he true. plays against. It doesn't. And and obviously the Argentina side is much weaker than the PSG side attacking player wise, mm. but it, it's similar. You can't you can't mark Messi out of a game. He's just that. Mm that he's that little niggly player who gets just can get in front of you like he, he is one of the he's one one of if not the best players ever yeah, he's one of the most sure. intelligent players ever as well and crude like that's that's the big part he often yeah. gets like I don't know then he kind of gets talked about because when it was he him versus Ronaldo it got talked about like oh, Ronaldo's put a lot of work in and Messi it just comes naturally obviously it comes naturally but that's really disrespectful the Mm. amount of work and the amount of time he's put in playing and learning the game Mm. is hugely underrated about him I think um he, he just he's really really intelligent and knows how to play where to be um I think he'll make a great manager one day um, uh, yeah. he he's he's quality. You can't. It's not as simple as saying, "Yeah, well, we'll just keep Messi out of the game, and then we'll be fine." No,
0: absolutely. It actually reminds me of, I forgive me, but I think I think it was an athletic article. Um, but talking about Messi's um, like his walking, mm-hmm. and oh, look, obviously that is in part due to his age and an element to which you do get a lot with luxury players anyway that. They're more concerned about going one way so they're not really going to offer you so much on the ball I think that has got less and less obviously as he's aged probably you know due to lots of reasons but I think largely about conserving your energy and your body right so Mm. that you can still be as effective in moments as possible without sort of what's the point in making Messi track a left back he's not going to do it that well and it just means that he can't be knackered but what you see quite a lot from him is him just sort of stopping and waiting and walking back and he might be stood in like an offside position and you know this article was quite good at talking about kind of the effect of him kind of just stopping and letting the game kind of move beyond Mm -hmm. him and then that means that players just don't register his position so then when the ball turns over the two blokes that were supposed to be man marking him are suddenly far away from him and he's in a pocket of space again and he's someone yeah. else's responsibility so you're right I think it's almost impossible but I am interested to see what Van Gaal kind of does to try yeah. and counteract that because I think when your system is so built around an individual that kind of then therefore just become the focus of how you counteract that so it is a case of how do you stop Messi and you know that's a bit cliche that's what the media outlets are all going to be saying but in the case of Argentina it is very much that case because that is how they that is how they play. So mm. for you then who's 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 in the semi-finals?
1: For me Brazil beat Croatia. Um I, I think Argentina beat the Netherlands no question. Um yep. Portugal beat Morocco. I, do, I, I don't think it'll be I, it's not going to be like the Portugal Switzerland game, but I think they're just going to be knackered and Portugal are going to be too yeah. much. And <laughs> Oh, I mean I on coming on. home go on England England, England. to do it go England on. to do it what about you um,
0: uh, yeah no I, so I agree Brazil Argentina uh, slight question mark about the Netherlands but I do just think Argentina have a bit too much quality and I really want to see Argentina Brazil I think that'd be fascinating then I I agree that I just I think at least one of those centre backs for Morocco is going to be injured and I just don't think that they have the depth to cope with that particularly off the back of a, a really knackering performance so I think that that will be that and then um england are going to beat france comfortably (laughs) calvin phillips winner um (laughs) right let's let's wrap this up go on hit them with the socials then, cal
1: so yeah we are at eafc underscore podcast on twitter and instagram we're just everyone's a football critic on facebook you can find us on your favorite podcasting medium um if whichever you're on now we're on the other ones if you prefer them
0: yeah, and thank you for listening to this episode. Hopefully we'll see you next week. All that's left to say is goodbye from me, and goodbye. bye.